Everyone, welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and businesswomen, especially those building our businesses from home, are just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business, and in life, and I'm looking forward to bringing today's guest into the author's alley. Teresa Harlow has been co-parenting for two decades and has written two books on the topic. Her latest book, Combative to Collaborative, The Co-Parenting Code, will be released September 15th and has been endorsed by best-selling author Jack Canfield. Teresa's mission is to take collaborative co-parenting from exception to expectation. As an author and speaker, Teresa helps individuals and teams to transform their most difficult relationships into collaborative partnerships by adopting an emphatic mindset and implying the golden rule. I love this. I had so much I identified in in reading your book, Teresa, because I've been successfully divorced for 27 years. So with all that being said, I can't wait to share you here on the show. Welcome to Word of Mom Radio, Teresa. Thank you, Dory. And I love just hearing about your co-parenting story. It was so awesome. You're like the model that should be in my book as well. Maybe volume three will do that. (laughs) You know, it's amazing because I said to you, as we were talking beforehand, my pastor said to me that you should write a book on how to have a successful divorce. I said, it's a really short book. It is remembering that your children aren't the pawns in the chess game of your life. And that at one point you loved each other enough to get married and create these children. Find a way to put your big kid pants on and do what is best for them. It has nothing to do with you anymore. Once you become a parent, you take a back seat to what your kids need. So I love how you've done this. And I, I want you to take us on your journey and what inspired you to write this book. Well, so as you mentioned, I've been divorced for two decades. Hard to believe it was that long ago. And my uh, son's father and I divorced when, when our son was six. And as he grew up and we found a way to positively co-parent him, I was approached by a lot of other parents that, you know, soccer moms and dads and others who said, you know, I really wish my parents would have done this for me when they got divorced, or I wish that uh, I could have done this with my ex. Uh, It's really a great way to demonstrate love for your child. And through that and being a step-parent for over um, 13 years now and watching other parents struggle with this very issue and find it so difficult and so overwhelming, 
I, I really felt like I could bring some guidance to them that may help them to make it easier and to find a way to really reach true happiness, not just for their kids, but for themselves as well. And we'll talk about that more. Um, you know, I know it can be done. I know it, it sounds like it's going to be overwhelming and something you can't do because maybe you're hurt or whatever, um, but there are some approaches that I share in the book that I'll touch on here as well that I think you might be surprised that you could tackle. Um, and the, the biggest inspiration for me to do, to live this way personally was, of course, the joy of now hearing my son say he had a happy childhood and he wasn't affected, as far as he's concerned, negatively by our divorce. It is so important because they really are the only people that matter in this. If you don't have kids, who cares? Who cares if you ever see each other again? Once you have children, that has to be your concern. So what have you found are some of the beliefs that about co-parenting that really aren't true? Well, so you've said it kind of, and, and I, I'm not going to necessarily contradict you, but I'm going to expand on something you said. You said that the kids are all that matters. And here's what I'll tell you with that. It, it, a lot of times people say, you do it all for the kids. And it sounds noble, but I think human nature is survival and self-preservation. Mm -hmm. And we've all heard, you know, you can't make others happy if you're not happy. So if you're constantly taking the position of martyr in your role, it's actually going to make it more difficult for you to find your happiness. And frankly, you, you can be happier once you unburden yourself from all of the unnecessary hostility that may be feeding into the relationship between you and an ex-partner. So I would say that doing it all for the kids is noble, but you also should honor your own happiness and unburden yourself from negative energy so that you can actually lift those kids up in a truly genuine way. The other common belief is that people think they just can't do this. Nope, we hate each other, not going to happen, or I'm too hurt, or we just can't stand to talk to each other. I hear that a lot, and I would say that some of those things really aren't prerequisites to doing this. You don't have to like each other to be good parents. If you focus on what you want, which is not to be together anymore, you've already decided that's over and done with, right? So stop focusing on what you don't like about this person as a romantic partner and focus on enabling them to be a good parent because that benefits you as well. It will make life easier for you, and it will be in the best interest of your kids. In looking at the title, Combative to Collaborative, what kind of combative behavior does your book address? Well, there's a pretty broad spectrum. You know, they, they start with the common, the very common ones, like talking badly about the other parent, which I think a lot of people address that, frankly. So I don't want to focus on that as much here because everyone's been told, don't talk badly about your other, their parent to the children. And Sure, people still do it, but they know better, right? 
But some things that are more subtle might be, you know, where you uh, get caught up in an emotion and you say to your child, you're acting just like your father. And it's like when you say that with that kind of tone, uh, obviously it's not a compliment. And you're basically giving them the message that, okay, let's see, mom left dad. She didn't like him when she did it. And now she's telling me I'm just like him. So does she not like me? Is she going to leave me too? And that's something that a parent may not actually think all the way through when they deliver such a message without uh, really considering the impact and how the other person receives that information. Uh, there are missteps that are, that are maybe a step further where just, uh, I see parents use their children as a stool pigeon. This one's great. So, you know, send notes through the child to the, the other parent uh, because you don't want to talk to them or you guys can't communicate well. So, well, this is another way to handle it. It's, it's really not very reliable. I mean, do you know if the child actually got that note to the other parent? Do you know if they read it? Do you know how they took it? You know, there's a lot of variables there that are, that are out of your control and you're putting an awful lot of burden on your child to, uh, you know, do something that you should do. Be the adult. And um, also being, flex being inflexible is something that I've seen and, and observed other parents doing. Let's say the um, grandparents of your ex, your ex's parents, basically, your children's grandparent, are coming in from California to New York, unannounced. They arrive. They want to see the grandkids, but it's your weekend. Can you be flexible enough, that, you know, to provide your ex a couple hours for them to see their grandparents, or are you going to you know, just steadfastly cling to that co-parent, that parenting plan and say, nope, you should have planned better my weekend. And think about what you want there. Do you want your children to have that relationship with their grandparents and also model the flexibility that they will admire as they grow to understand you as a person? Um, when it gets to be more tr troubling, is parents that actually engage in manipulative behavior. And I'll tell you, you know, as I go through these, I want to note something. So manipulative behavior is including things like competing with each other for affection of the children. You know, a lot of people do that because they're afraid. They're, they're, they're literally afraid the child will never come back to their house because they like it better at dad's or mom's. And, uh, you know, when you do that, that, that's manipulating the scenario. If you're showering them with gifts every time or never holding them responsible for any type of chores uh, because you don't want them to dislike it, how are you serving that child as a human? You know, you want to raise a re responsible person in this world that knows how to do things. So you're really not doing what's best for the child in that scenario. But a lot of parents do that. Withholding information is something that parents do out of animosity. Well, they should go figure out how to do it on their own. Uh, they should go get that information. It's not my responsibility. And I can tell you that when my ex and I divorced, um, the school system asked for one address. I was one of two addresses that my child spent 50% of his time at. 
So I was the only parent listed. I got all the report cards. I got all the notifications on sports events, on any other activities, parent-teacher conferences, school picture notifications and the forms and all of that. And if I hadn't done the right thing and the kind thing and shared that information with my son's father, he would have missed out on all of those opportunities. So I had to think about doing that because it was the right thing to do. And that's part of why I was talking about unburden yourself, um, those negative energies that you throw out there. Um, not sharing the child's stuff is an interesting one. I actually was in a relationship for about three years with a gentleman who um, had a child with a former girlfriend. And uh, every time the daughter would come to her father's, whether it was for a weekend or for two weeks that he had her every summer uninterrupted, she would come in whatever he had sent her to his mo her mom's in. And she would come back with that and nothing else. No clothing for the rest of the week. So he would proceed to go out and buy clothing for her. And she would like some of that stuff. And he'd say, sure, you can take it with you. And uh, she would take it back to her mom's. And then next time she came back, she came back with what she had on when she left the, the father's house and nothing else. So he was constantly replenishing the, this clothing and it got to be ridiculous where he just said, okay, you're going back in what you came in. And this girl went back and forth between these two homes, I think in the same outfit for a good year and a half. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. She must think her parents are children. She's the adult, you know. And uh, it, it just was seemingly only to create grief for the other parent and no concern for what was best for the daughter. Um, and, uh, you know, telling others how awful your co-parent is, obviously, is, is something that can create bad will. If you think you're, oh, well, I don't say it to my child. I, I just say it to our neighbors who used to live by, you know, my ex. And also one of them happens to work with them. And then, then he gets that information. And now suddenly he's not being cooperative with you or collaborative and you're wondering why. Well, that kind of behavior, um, you know, could breed that. And on that note, I just want to touch on something I was going to say earlier, which is when I initially started writing this book and going through all these combative behaviors, I really took the approach of, okay, here's your combative behaviors. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what that creates in your life, and here's what you should do instead. And I shared the couple, uh, first couple of chapters with a friend of mine. And he said to me, this is great information, but you know what? My ex is never going to read this. I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, you're right. It's probably the person that's the victim of those combative, hostile behaviors that's desperately seeking guidance and solutions. So I went back and started to add that content and that guidance to say, look, if you're the victim of this type of behavior, here are some things you can do to diffuse it, to redirect the effort and the conversation, and to maybe not trigger them in the first place. So that was really kind of an epiphany for me, and I'm really glad that I shared 
that information with him early, so it gave me that opportunity to add that in. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. Hi, this is Charlotte Felcher, and welcome to Kid Fun. I'm going to offer a very easy tip for having fun with the kids that comes from my book, Kid Fun, 401 Easy Ideas for Play. Kids love forts. It's very easy to make a fort. Actually, if you have a carton in the house, that's a great fort. They can play in it. They can have a sandwich in it. They can read a book in it. They can bring their stuffed animals in it. But another great way to have a fort is to take a sheet and place it over the kitchen table or the dining room table and then crawl under it. You and the kids, and you can make it a library. Have story time or a cafe and have a sandwich. That's my kid fun tip for today. You can get more information like this in my book, which is available at kidfunandmore.com. She is brave. She is strong. She is you. Because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote. Or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams. Because when you win, we win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often, our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars. But for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404 or go to nosuchthingasabully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice because safety it's in the bag. And we are back here on Word of Mom Radio. We are talking with Teresa Harlow about her newest book, Combative to Collaborative, The Co-Parenting Code. You know, I want to go back and touch on what you were talking about before we took our break, because I remember at times my children's dad, one of his worst habits is he forgets things. He leaves things. He was a tree surgeon. Let's put it this way. The guy's a tree surgeon. During our seven and a half years of marriage, he had to replace his chainsaw nine times because he left it at a job. How do you leave your chainsaw? That's your livelihood. And this isn't like you go down the road and pick up a chainsaw. This is a professional chainsaw. The only thing he never left at a job were his boots because he was wearing them. And my oldest son has that trait. And I would say to him, with all of the wonderful qualities your dad has, all of the amazing gifts 
that he has shared with you. This is the one you want to emulate, really? <laughs> you know, and in and even and I would catch myself saying it, and it was like, oh, maybe that's not even a good way to express it either, because it would frustrate him about his father that he would do this. So yeah. it it's very hard. It really is. It's very hard because it's human nature. It is. It, it really is. is. It's it's human nature. So what do you find the most disturbing of the combative behavior that you've seen when you've watched parents try to co-parent? So I mentioned the one that had the child going back and forth with no clothing except what the clothes on her back, right? So expanding on that same um, couple of parents, you know, they had a 12-year-long custody battle. I mean, they had a binder. He had a binder this thick. Uh, which you can't see it on the radio, but it's like three inches thick of court documentation for the duration. There were, you know, withholding visitation, withholding child support. He would withhold child support because he didn't get his visitation, and she would withhold visitation because she didn't get the child support. I'm like, you guys, don't you see what you're doing here? And, you know, so it, it got to a point where they both filed restraining orders on each other. So here you have this nine-year-old girl that her parents couldn't approach each other's house within 100 feet. So she had to leave the door, uh, you know, of one parent with her heavy backpack on her back, with her little uh, set of, of stuff she was allowed to bring back and forth, which, by the way, didn't include any clothing, just a lot of other stuff. Um, and you know, cart it 100 feet down to the car and dad wasn't allowed to approach or she would have filed another, you know, uh, whatever whatever you file because someone violates an order. Um, and so that was disturbing and damaging to the daughter. On the more extreme ends of the scale, parental alienation is a real problem for I have a person right now I'm working with and where the parent, the other parent, has literally done everything in her power to turn the children against their father. And the result, he doesn't see them. They have no relationship with him. He's suffering uh, uh, the, the loss of his family, the loss of his parental rights. And, you know, so that is, is cruel, it's cruel to the kids because I don't know how you think that you can do better as a single parent versus having other people on your team. There are scenarios where you must leave a situation and separate yourself from a parent who is, say, violent. I get that. And in those cases, you should seek all the legal help you can get, all the counseling you can get and find out how to protect your children. But those are really the outliers. And what I'm talking about are those that just unilaterally decide your mother or your father doesn't belong in your life and I'm going to make that decision for you and him or her. And uh, the most extreme of the combative behaviors is a story a friend of mine shared with me. She had some domestic abuse issues she was having with her um, then-husband. She saved up money. She left with her son, came back to where her family lived, and the father then moved back 
to that location because he was also from there. Uh, she did leave a forwarding address, but she was careful about how she did it. Uh, but he demanded and went to the court and demanded visitation. She had to grant it. He took the child and abducted him and fled the state, went 1,500 miles away. She got a uh, private investigator, um, tracked him down. I guess he, was, he got in a fight at a bar and the child was in the car and he got the the father got arrested they found the child in the car and then eventually the child was returned to his mom three months later and i can't imagine the horror of going through that and obviously he probably isn't a prime candidate for collaborative co-parenting and there are outliers you know, that just, it's not going to be possible. I mean, if you've got someone that is um, exhibiting violent behavior, you have to protect your kids. If they're uh, engaged in criminal behavior, you have to protect your kids, right? It is beyond me how he must have thought, you know, it was best for his son. I, I don't think he thought about that at all, frankly. He just thought, this is what I want, and that's what I'm going to do. That is not somebody who's concerned about what is best for their child. You know, we shared someone on the show uh, last year who her husband kidnapped their kids. It took her years. He took them to Greece, and she had to fight the courts in Greece, and they denied her. Because at that point, they said, you know, they've been in Greece for a couple of years now and fought and fought and fought to finally get her daughters back. You know, my children's father made dinner for me for my birthday. I did the same thing for him. You know, I mean, we danced at our kids' weddings. I, it, it is, it's so vital. You have children, you know, try to do what you have to do. What kind of advice do you want to share? for those divorced parents out there that are listening to this? Sure. So I would say that one of the breakthroughs that I kind of discovered as as I was writing the book and, and sharing some tidbits with friends and asking them for feedback was that um, people focus too much on fixing the relationship with the ex and not enough on being a parent, being a good parent, enabling that parent to do that. You don't have to like them to want them to be a good parent. So stop trying to fix your relationship with them as, say, your former romantic partner. You don't necessarily have to be friends. There are lots of approaches you can take now. There's apps where you can do what's called parallel parenting and not really have to engage in anything other than purely business-like transactional communications to make sure that you share the information that needs to be shared. But stop trying to, to get past pain, anger, and disappointment. Don't, get, don't, don't, don't try to fix it. Release it. Let it go. You don't need to fix that. You need to fix yourself as a parent and help your other parent to do the same. Um, And how do you do that? So don't require that you like each other. I said that. Don't require that you forgive each other. 
You know, they may have hurt you, but they you don't have to forgive them. It probably would benefit you to do that, and that doesn't mean that you're absolving them from whatever they did. But it's not a prerequisite to parenting with someone, and it has nothing to do with parenting. You don't need to apologize if you feel you were in the right, and you don't need to receive an apology. Those things are all outside of the parenting realm. They're in addition to it. And certainly you should strive to be the best person you can and do the right thing. But if you're holding out on co-parenting with someone because they haven't given you an apology, then you're just putting off something for a reason that really isn't necessary. Um, and with that, I'd say that how do you get past all of that? How are, what are some of the really fundamental strategies? that you can do as you're communicating with someone you find combative? How, to, how do you diffuse some of that? And one of the things I talk about throughout the book is living by the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Our parents mostly said, you know, treat others as you want them to treat you. And I'll tell you what, it works. And you, you're not focused on the other person. You're this. You're focused on how would I want to be treated? You know that. You may not know how your ex likes to be treated. Maybe that's why you separated to begin with. But frankly, most people are pretty similar in what's, you know, something that's going to make them feel good versus feel bad. So if you're having trouble being collaborative with someone, speak to yourself what you plan to say to someone. Write it out and then read it out loud and hear it as if someone were saying it to you. Did you like it? Did it sound like something you would want to hear? Or did it provoke you? Did it make you angry? And granted, you can't control that other person's reaction, but it goes a long way in setting the stage for the possibility of a better interaction. Focus on what you want, not what you don't want. You want to be a good parent, and that's where your energy should lie. And never give up on this idea. You can be in a relationship for 10 years. And I have a pretty lengthy story about that, but we'll talk about whether we have time for that here. Um, you can be in a relationship for over 10 years and still reconcile it and still move the needle forward to a better place. I love that. I really do. And I don't mind. We can run over time because this is a really important topic. It just is. So please share. Yeah. So there's a whole section of the book dedicated to correcting course because I recognize that some people, and I, I actually say it in the intro, you know, if, if you're on a bad, bad place, maybe you start there and then come back to the beginning of the book because that talks about, you know, not only the breakthrough of how you get past pain, anger, and disappointment, but it, it talks about, um, you know, what you can do to get things back on track. So, my story. So, I told you I've been in a relationship with the same man for 13 years and have known his kids for all of that, um, save the first six months, say. And his ex-wife and I really have had never hit it off, that's putting it mildly, um, but we just, 
were not on the same page. And it got to be pretty difficult uh, to, you know, as a step parent, you really feel like you don't have a lot of influence over anything. You have all the burden, no influence. It, it's, I thought I might write a book that was called Step Parenting Sucks. I mean, seriously, because it was far more challenging to be a step parent with no influence than to be a parent who had a lot more uh, of that to, to uh, bring to the table. But his um, ex-wife and I didn't get along. For the first 10 years, I pretty much decided I had to disengage to an extent with the kids because it was so difficult to be in the same place with her. It was very uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I just felt like it didn't benefit anyone for me to do that. And I was sad because I always thought I'd have this point oh it'd be the happy blended family and all of that and it wasn't happening and so about 10 years in our step or my stepdaughter is in a college sport and she actually came to our house uh, when she came home for uh, the weekend and she plops this Easter basket down on my counter and I'm like oh what's that she said, well, my mom got, uh, she put these together for the girls on the team, and she gave them all out, and she had an extra one, and she said to bring it to you. And I thought, wow, this is something different. She acknowledged my existence, and maybe, maybe there's a window of opportunity here. And I was like, well, but then again, maybe something's going to jump out and bite me in the face. I don't really know which is going to happen, but let's find out. So I kind of, you know, just let it sit there. A day later, my stepdaughter sharing with her father and I that, the, uh, that her mom had gotten a lot of grief from one of the other parents of, of one of the girls on the team saying this was just over the top. Well, it got back to her, and so she approached this other mom. Um, and she said, I, I heard you had a problem with the baskets, and, or the buckets, yeah, the baskets, and she said, yeah, I have a problem with it. Do you want to take it outside? <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay, that's just crazy. So, you know, 40-something-year-old women, right? And we're going to brawl in the, in the parking lot of a college uh, campus. And so I thought, well, you know, the justice person in me was like, that's crazy. I'm going to at least do the polite thing here. I should have already done it, but maybe I should at least say thank you for the basket. So I sent her a quick text. Hadn't really interacted with her much, as I, as I said, but I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to send her a quick text. I'm just going to thank her. It's going to be simple, and that at least will all of that. And she said, oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you liked it. And we had this little exchange in text. I said, well, I heard you caught a little grief for it. And she proceeded to tell me about the whole, hey, do you want to take it out back moment. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking – about this vision and it's just kind of cracking me up and I'm realizing, you know, my daughter's mom was a college athlete herself. She's no shrinking violet and she's very athletic. And so I thought, you know, why not give her a little laugh? I said, well, I have one question. Could you take her? And the emojis flew <laughs> and we had this moment of humor and it was like, okay, maybe she realizes I'm not so uncool to talk to. And a couple of weeks later, their son was going to play his first high school varsity level game. 
he was in a college or a, a high school sport. And um, it turned out she couldn't make it to the game because she had a conflicting business trip. She couldn't get out of it, couldn't reschedule. It was really important. And so I was at the game, and we were all excited to watch him play. And I'm taking pictures, and I'm realizing she's not there. And I thought to myself, what if I couldn't be here and it, it, and it were my son? What would I want someone to do for me? Well, this is an easy one. I'm snapping pictures. How about I send her a few of those just so she feels like maybe she didn't miss the whole thing. So I sent her a few of those photos, and I said, I thought you might like to have these since you couldn't be here. And she sent me back a quick text telling me how thankful she was and how she really didn't want to miss it and appreciated it. And Dory, in that moment, things began to change. Call it great thaw, the great thawing of our relationship. And we went from not engaging and me having to step back and not participate in these family interactions to being invited to join into them. And it has made a world of difference, not only for me personally, and frankly, made me feel like I've gotten released from my little prison I felt like I was in. And to also, uh, you see it on the kids' faces. Now they have a lot less stress when it comes to anything where the two of us might end up in the same place at the same time. And this isn't between me and my ex. This is between me and a, a former spouse of my now current, and I know there are a lot of stepmoms out there that struggle with this, and it was 10 years before this moment took place. And so that's where I know, no matter how long it's been, months, years, even decades, there's still a possibility that an opportunity will be presented to you, and you just need to answer the door and walk through it. You know, it's funny because I think often in that role, that step-parent role, that girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, thing, comes that jealousy, you know. And, again, we go back to the, uh, you know, high school mentality, they're going to steal my boyfriend. What if my kid likes you more than me kind of a thing? And we as parents need to remember our children can never have too many people in their lives who love them. That's absolutely true. It's not a competition. Exactly. It is not a competition. It is the joy that your children feel. You know, my children's dad, neither one of us ever remarried after all this time. It was so funny because, as I said, we were very successfully divorced. He had perfected his portobello mushroom recipe. And he called me up and he was like, pick up a bottle of wine and come up here for dinner because I just made this awesome, you know, recipe and I had taught him to cook. So I was like, sure, we just lived down the street from each other. I'm now in the kitchen getting things ready. I had just made a pot of tea. The doorbell rings. He goes to the door and I could feel the temperature in the house go down 15 degrees because his girlfriend showed up unexpectedly. I came out from the kitchen and I'm like, Hi, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Dory. Come on in. I just made a cup of tea. You should join us. I put down a plate right next to him, and she and I became really good friends. I am super careful about titles like mom and dad. That's reserved for the primary parents. I never would 
feel right imposing that and and expecting that from children that aren't primarily mine. Right. My girlfriend's a smom because she's yeah. a stepmom, and that's what she calls herself. She's smom. So I have mom and smom. And yeah. she actually put out a line of things for your step-parent. Where do you go to get, you know, thanks for being my stepmom. You're an awesome stepdad kind of a thing because, as you found out, it might take a little time. For some people it happens in the beginning. For some people it never happens. But you can do that whole correct your course. We're adults and we're ever evolving and relationships ever evolve. So again, it's putting on your big kid clothing and realizing what are you showing your children? Life evolves and relationships change, but that relationship between kids, they need to see that divorce is divorce. It's not death. Yes. Families go on. Families survive divorce. Right. Exactly. And they evolve. They evolve through it. So besides divorced parents, do you think there's anybody else that should be reading this book? Well, absolutely. So first of all, you don't have to have been married. You could have just been, you know, cohabitating and had a child or whatever. Anybody parenting separately, first of all. Beyond that, those who work with families in distress, um, such as your family therapists, divorce attorneys, mediators, child advocates that work through the court system, and also church support groups that focus on uh, the demise of marriage or you know single parenting, can use this as a companion to the other tools they provide parents. And they may find some creative solutions that would help their clients. Um, and also, quite frankly, the lessons of living by the golden rule and focusing on what you want, those are universal attitudes, if you will. And those lessons transfer to help you reconcile any other difficult relationship. I can tell you personally, I've used the same approach to heal relationships with family members, with coworkers that I found difficult. And you can even at least create a better environment and better interactions with those you consider your adversaries if you use this approach. And remember, you unburden yourself from it as much as you do uh, give yourself the opportunity to have a more positive relationship with someone. So even if you fail at actually collaborating with them, you're going to feel better for it because you no longer have to carry that baggage around. What a perfect way to end this conversation. Teresa, let everybody know when the book is coming out, how they can get it, and what thoughts would you like to leave us with? Yes, so the book comes out Wednesday, September 15th, and so it's rapidly approaching. It's going to be available on Amazon on that day in both ebook and a paperback. You can pre-order the ebook now. They don't provide that opportunity on Amazon, but you can pre-order the ebook uh, as soon as you hear this. And then after September 15th or on September 15th, the paperback will also be available. And beyond Amazon, it'll be available for distribution through Ingram Publishing. And uh, so retailers, librarians, and wholesalers would be able to access the book and, and order it 
So if you don't see it somewhere and you want them to stock it, please ask them for it. And um, the first day, I'm going to have some kind of special pricing because the reality is if you're a co-parent, you really should have two, one for yourself and one for your co-parent. So I'll do some kind of special for that day only. And you can sign up for my book launch party. It'll be a virtual book launch on September 15th. And you can do that at my website at TeresaHarlow.com. Awesome. All of Teresa's links are going to be live. There'll be live links to the book and everything else. I want to thank you very much for sharing your journey with us. It's a really good book and it's very relatable and there are real truths in it that we need to hear because, you know, as parents, if you do it right, dividing up your lives doesn't have to destroy your kids. You don't have to divide them as well. It doesn't have to destroy you. Exactly. For all of you tuning in, thank you so much for being here with us on Word of Mom Radio. We are going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters Bluegrass. So right. till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true. She is brave. Sure.